Good morning, church. Haven't done this for a while. I forgot the microphone. You sort of need that. How are we doing this morning? It's good to be here. My name is Will, and I'm here with my wonderful wife, Meg. And um, it's just such a privilege for us to be here this morning, gathering together here at Northreach. And I want to start by praying. So would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you so much that you are good. And we thank you that you are with us this morning. And Father, I just pray that of all the bits and pieces that we're doing this morning, the singing and the, and the message and our spending time together before and after, I pray, Lord, that the things that you want us to, to take away, the things that you want to sit on our hearts, I pray those things would stick. And as we come to a time now where I'm, I'm going to open up the Bible and, 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 and preach, God, would you just get rid of things that are my words? And, and focus us in on things that are yours. We pray these things in your incredible name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, family, it is such an honor and joy and privilege for me to be here today with uh, you this morning here at Northreach. And um, we are in the middle, actually, we are two weeks in, the second week of our Unmistakable series. So if you have your Bibles there, I'd love it if you would open up your Bibles. We're in 1 Peter for this series. If you don't know where that is, here's my Bible. It's right at the very back. There's only a few pages before the end, so most of it has already passed by. Turn to 1 Peter, and we're still in chapter 1, so at the very beginning of 1 Peter. And we're going to be reading uh, from 1 Peter 1 and starting at verse 13. Now, this passage... This passage starts with the word, therefore. And therefore basically means that what we're about to read has something to do with what we've just been reading about. So what, what's happened before this passage? And I just really want to encourage you. If you weren't here last week, uh, Pierre spoke, and he spoke about our unmistakable hope that we have in Jesus. And so everything that we're talking about here today is because of that unmistakable hope. I want to encourage you to go back and watch that. If you haven't seen it, it was a great message. And, um, and that's sort of going to be where we're bouncing from today as we read together. So why don't you join me and let's read. Actually, could we get this screen turned on too, please, someone? Just so I can read along. It goes like this. Therefore, the passage says, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, can we read this together? Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you have been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious what? Blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen. This is Jesus we're talking about. 
He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you have believe, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply and from the heart. Today, family, we're talking about this word here, holiness. What on earth does that word mean? What does it mean to be holy? I think often in culture, we have different understandings in church culture and maybe people outside of church world have different understandings of what that word could mean. Anybody have any ideas? What, what, is, what do you think people hear when they hear the word holy? Call some out for me. Set apart? Set apart. Holy is set apart. What else? There's an expression, right? Pure in thought. Totally. There's an expression when somebody is holier than thou. You know what I mean? Like there's maybe an arrogance that people think when they think holiness. You know what I mean? What's that? Beg your pardon? Unblemished. Yeah, yep, totally. Unblemished. And the others, what do people think about when they, when they hear holiness? What do you think people often think about? Unattainable. It's like out of reach. Totally. And the others? Glowing, yeah, like a halo glowing around your head. These are the images that we think of, right? When we hear this word holiness. Yeah, I, I think people have this holier than thou, like I'm better than you, I'm above you. They think about holier than thou. I also thought about the glowing one. And I thought about Ned Flanders. And, you know, he's like unrelatable and he's a bit weird and wacky. You know what I mean? This Ned Flanders picture, the halos. And I also thought... Um, Unattainable, just something that seems always out of reach and impossible. Just unattain. I just we try as hard as we can, but we just can never. You know what I mean? So I think these are the sorts of things that people think of when they think about holiness. Another one maybe is like moral perfection. You know, someone who's got everything together, morally excellent. You know, so often in life, we become really familiar with sort of these pop culture understandings of things. We become familiar with kind of things that are partly true. I actually think all of those things that we just discussed could be in some ways partly true. There's a level of moral excellence. There's, there's a separateness. There is, a, there is something different about people who are holy. But none of those things are the full picture by themselves. You see, so often in life, we focus our attention on sort of part truths. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what holiness means. But if we focus on part truths, we can actually get ourselves in trouble. See, when we treat part truths like whole truths, they can actually become untrue. When we treat part truths like whole truths, they can actually become untrue. What's an example? I don't know if you've been uh, walking through the shopping center and you've seen some beautiful, delicious bag of lollies. You know what I'm saying? So it's sugary, it's sweet, it's colorful, it's got everything going on, but on the front, it's got in big letters, like healthy snack. And then in big bold underneath that, 0% fat. So 
So these lollies, packed full of sugar, packed full of preservatives, but, 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 0% fat. You know what I mean? It's like a part truth. And if we focus on these part truths, we actually get ourselves in trouble. Those lollies are not good for you, even though they have 0% fat. I can't talk though. I buy the lollies, usually. But we focus on those part truths, instead of whole truths, we can get ourselves into untruth territory. You know, I think something similar when it comes to holiness. When we focus our attention on these little aspects of what it means to be holy, and we don't see it in its broader picture, I actually believe we can get ourselves in some trouble. If we don't define this word right, we can start to get off track and and move into untrue territory. Are you with me this morning, Northridge? I think it's similar with holiness, like moral excellence. Moral excellence might have something to do with what it means to be holy, but unless we place it in, in a larger picture of holiness, we'll find ourselves falling short. And yet, this passage reads, be holy because I am holy. What on earth could that word holy mean? Well, friends, when we look at that word holy or holiness, the concept in the Bible, holiness has everything to do with who God is. Everything to do with who God is. I want to show you some examples. If you turn with me, uh, don't actually turn there. I'll just put it up on the screen for you. Look at the Sky Bible. There's this picture in Revelation 4, verse 8. And, and this vision someone's having of the throne room of heaven. And in this vision, it's, he says this, And day and night, the heavenly creatures never ceased to say to God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful picture. These heavenly beasts singing out this song of praise. I remember when I was younger, um, I heard a preacher say to me, he sort of like did some imagining around this concept. And he said, it's almost like there are these creatures in heaven whose responsibility it is to do laps of the throne of God. And they're doing laps of the throne. And every time they do a lap of the throne of God, they find a new reason to scream out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And these creatures have been doing laps since before time began. And they will do laps forever into eternity. This is the holiness of God. Do you feel that picture? The infinite reasons for God to receive that praise, holy, holy, holy the Lord God Almighty. He was and is and is to come. What's that saying? It's saying that you and me, we're kind of finite. Now, we we had a beginning. We didn't exist forever. We were created. But this God that we're singing about, this God we're worshiping, He always was. He's still here, alive now, and He will always be. This is the holiness of God. Are you with me? What about this one? In Exodus 15 verse 11, it says this. This is someone singing out praise to God again. Who is like you, 
Who is like you, God? Majestic in holiness. Awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. God, who is like you? No one is like you. The author here is trying to express just how magnificent and marvelous he is. He says, God, you are awesome. That means awe-inspiring. Have you ever looked at the oceans or looked at the mountains or looked at those new NASA photos of the stars and just gone, wow. The author here is saying, God, you are awe-inspiring in your holiness. What about this one? 1 Samuel 2 verse 2, it says this. There is none holy like the Lord. There are none beside you. There is no rock like our God. In other words, this God is utterly unique. This God is set apart. This God is magnificent before all else. Nothing will ever compare to Him. This is what we mean when we talk about God's holiness, that He is powerful and kind and mighty and strong. He is above all. Our God, Northreach, is utterly and unmistakably holy. Are you with me this morning? Unmistakably holy. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a pretty big deal. And in fact, that's such a big deal that for me, it makes this utterly confusing. If holiness is being utterly unique, this doesn't make a lot of sense that we could also be holy. Like, hold on a second, I can't be all that stuff we just described. But this passage says, be just as he who called you, oh, sorry, but just as he who called you is holy, so you, read it with me, be holy in all you do. Be holy, because I am holy. How on earth are we meant to do that? You know, just recently, I've um, started, Meg and I have started doing uh, dance lessons. We're doing rock and roll dancing. Uh, we're just trying it. We are really bad. I'm really bad. Meg's amazing. She's amazing at it. I'm really bad at it. I'm just trying to get the hang of it, but we're getting into it. But I'll never forget when we first rocked up for our first, I guess, lesson. It's like a class thing we're doing. We rocked up for our first class. I didn't have a clue what to do. Like my best dance move is like the Baptist two-step. You know that one? This is the Baptist do-step. Like that's about the end of dancing for me. You know what I mean? I, I, that's my best. We rock up at this class and this old man walks over to Meg and says, here, come here, and starts spinning her and twirling her. And, and she did a backflip. No, she didn't do a backflip. But, you know, she just like, she, she looks like she's danced all of her life. It was incredible. He led her so powerfully, so amazingly around this sort of routine. And I was just like, wow. And then he finishes and he says, now you try. What? What do you mean now I try? I don't have a clue where to even begin. How am I meant to even start? I couldn't do it. It was out of reach. It was unachievable for me. How on earth can we be holy? Friends, the truth this morning is that on our own, we can't. In our own strength, by ourselves, we cannot do what this is asking us 
to do. You see, in the Bible, anytime something is mentioned as being holy, anytime a place or a person or a thing is called holy, it is only so because of its connection to God. But friends, here's the problem. That we, humanity, we severed our connection to God. We damaged our connection to God by actually rejecting Him. This is one of the big story arcs of the Bible. We rejected God, damaged our connection to Him, and instead wanted to worship ourselves instead of the one who is holy, holy, holy. We embraced an empty way of life. We, humanity, we lost our holiness. We lost our holiness. That is, that is until God intervened. If you read it with me, back in 1 Peter, it says this, verse 18, it says this. For you know, that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, plucked out, saved from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. In other words, it was by no means of your own, nothing that you could afford. Couldn't do it yourself. No silver and gold in the world. But with the precious blood of Christ, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see this family. The miraculously and mysteriously, Jesus, the Son of God, achieved what we couldn't achieve by ourselves. What for us was unattainable, He made attainable by Jesus becoming human. By him embodying a true and connected humanity. By Jesus dying an undeserved death on a cross and rising back to life. Our connection to God. Friends, our connection to the holy, perfect, utterly unique one. Our connection was restored because of Jesus. And by reconnecting us, we have been invited once again to share in God's holiness. We've been invited back into holiness. Jesus is our only hope out of the way of life we find ourselves in, the only path to becoming truly human. Jesus is our only hope to be holy as God is holy. Are you with me, church? To be holy as God is holy. Is that good news? We couldn't do it by ourselves. But because of Jesus, we have a way. Anybody um, watch The Origin this week? Yeah, we get around it. Are we Queenslanders in the room? Yeah. New South Wales. No, you don't need to tell me if you don't want to. Any brave New South Welshmen? Oh, like one, two. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Good on you. This was an awesome game. Loved it. It was great. I want you to turn your eyes to the screen.
Some people hate the hype. I'm a sucker for hype. Like, I absolutely love that stuff. I love that stuff. But as I was watching uh, The Origin, and as I was thinking about this passage, I'm going to force a connection. No, I'm not really. I actually think it is relevant. But when a player like Kalen Ponga, that's the guy, by the way, on the screen just there. When a player puts on that jersey, is given that jersey, he becomes an origin player. Do you know that? Forever, he will be an origin player. When the coach hands him that jersey, forever, from that point forward, he is an origin player. His name is written down. He's got a number ascribed to it, assigned to it. Kalen Ponga is an origin player. Once you don it, you are a player for life. And yet, and yet, part of being called an origin player, part of putting on that jersey is to play some footy. Am I right? Like part of wearing that is stepping into a line, a lineage, stepping into a legacy and living from that. When you hear players all the time saying things like, when I pulled on this jersey, I wanted to do well for my state. When I pulled on this jersey, I felt a passion rise up inside of me. You hear this sort of stuff all the time. Have you heard players say that sort of thing? Something about becoming a member of this team shapes the way you want to live, shapes the way, in his case, you want to play football. You want to get amongst it. You want to be a part of it. You want to do what it takes. See, first you're made an origin player, and then you play some origin. Are you with me? In the same way, I think it's actually kind of similar to to the holiness we're talking about this morning. You see, first, we are made holy. We become holy. We're handed the jersey, if you will. But then we get to do some holy. We get to grow into holiness. We get to become holy. We, are, we become the thing that we were made to be. You see, it's similar with what we're talking about this morning. You see, Jesus, Christ made us right with God. This is 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Jesus Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. It's all about Him. He did it. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. He did it. Jesus did it. We have been handed the jersey. Holiness is ours when we put our trust in Jesus and follow Him. We have been given the jersey. And now we're called to live the jersey. Now we're called to live this thing out. What does it mean practically to be holy? That's why this passage says, be holy because I am holy. Be holy. There's a call for you and me to actually do something as well as accepting the goodness of God and the grace is found in Jesus. So family, what I wanted to do just to finish up this morning, and I'd love to invite the music team up if that's okay. I I wanted to get really practical Because I feel like sometimes a word like holiness can really feel like a very conceptual, like a bit airy-flairy floating in the sky, like, yeah, I want to be holy, but what does that actually look like for me? I wanted to land it with something just really practical this morning. And so what I wanted to do is talk about unmistakable holiness. And if you do have a phone or a pen and paper, can I encourage you to bring it out? Uh, right now and just get your notes ready because 
I want you to really reflect on something throughout this week. I want to give you three challenges, three holiness challenges that come from this passage that I think if we really want to accept this jersey we've been given, if we really want to become who we're made to be, maybe there'll be one or two of these or maybe all of them that you'd like to think about putting into your life. Unmistakable holiness. Here's my little definition. That the journey towards holiness is a gradual and lifelong process of becoming, of becoming in every area of my life, the person I already am in Jesus. This is the challenge for holiness. I want you to write three dot points, if you can, down your page there. Three dot points. What I've done is I've pulled apart from the passage we read at the start of today. I've just highlighted three verses, which I think uh, present us with a profound challenge towards holiness. The verses, the first one is verse 13, which says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in His coming. With minds that are alert and fully sober. The first challenge I want to present this morning is this. What would it look like for you to identify and remove one distraction from your life? You know, the actual words uh, with minds that are fully sober, the original talks about girding up your loins, which is a bit of a weird expression. But the idea is that if your loins aren't girded and you try and go for a run, you're going to trip over. The passage is saying, get rid of all the things that could make you stumble. Make yourself unhindered. Be sober, clear-headed. What's one thing in your life, church family, that distracts you, that pulls your focus away? from attention on God. Really practically for me, this has been Facebook. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong or evil or whatever about Facebook. That's not what I'm saying at all. But for me, I felt like it was pulling at my time. It was, it was distracting my focus too much. And so what I've been really working on, this is my discipline. I've been working on just trying to have a healthier relationship with it. You know what I mean? Putting some boundaries in place. And really trying to work towards making that healthier. What does it look like for you to remove one distraction that pulls at your focus? I wrote down some other examples just just to get the creative juices flowing for you. Maybe it might look like um, removing the snooze function from your alarm clock. Am I right? Like if you say you're going to get up at that time, let's give it a whirl at getting up at that time. You know, maybe that might be something that that snooze button keeps you unfocused and distracted. I don't know. Maybe it might be literally soberness, being sober. Maybe maybe your relationship with alcohol is something that, that you need to consider. Reassess that relationship. Maybe remove it from your life altogether or reassess how you interact with it. Remove one distraction. Maybe it's checking your emails after dot, dot, dot p.m. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe that's taken away from family time. Maybe that's taken away from God time. What does that look like? Remove one distraction that pulls at your focus. Are you with me? Number two, the verse says this. Do not conform to the evil desires you once had when you lived 
in ignorance, but be holy in all that you do. Here's the next challenge. Identify and confront one self-centered desire. Identify and confront one self-centered desire. You know, so often our self-centered desires pull us away, pull us away from life, the life that God has on offer for us. For me, a really personal example is on my phone. I have an accountability situation where uh, it used to be trusted friends, but now it's my wife, Meg, has a password that blocks me from getting onto anything that I might be tempted to go into. It just blocks, like a parental control sort of thing. But it just, for me, that was a discipline. I needed to identify and confront a self-centered desire and actually put something in place tangible to help me pursue this holiness that God has given me. Some other examples might be sacrificing one night of me time a week and opening up your home to someone else. That might be a way for you to remove, identify and confront a self-centered desire. What about uh, cutting up your credit card or at least putting some boundaries in place as to how you use that credit card? Maybe that, that credit card, you know, it's sort of pulling you into chains. It's not letting you be free. Here's an opportunity to confront something. Maybe it's uh, getting a mentor, asking someone to speak into your life, someone whole, older, someone further along the path towards holiness. And the last one here, verse 22 says this, have sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Here's the holiness challenge. Identify and action one commitment to love. Identify and action one commitment to love. I see people taking photos with their phone. It could be a great idea. For me personally, I work in Cleveland Youth Detention Center. And it can be a hard place sometimes to love, to care. You know, it can be hard to to be caring in, in some environments. And so I've identified one little action that really helps me, and that's every morning. I've bought the same shoes that young people wear while they're in detention. And every morning I, I put those shoes on and I wear them at work. And, and it just reminds me that today I want to walk in somebody else's shoes. Today I want to, in the same way that Jesus came down and, and became human and walked among us and, and was with us in our brokenness and our hurt, I, I want to make a commitment to love today. What could that discipline be like for you? Could be a regular generosity, financial discipline. Could be a, a putting a, a calendar prompt in your phone to reach out to someone who's hurting. Or it could be spending time with people who are completely unlike you. Older people, younger people, people with certain challenges, people who speak English um, as a second language and who really want to connect back into community and get connected here in Townsville, what could that look like for you? To join this gradual lifelong journey of becoming who you already are in Jesus. Can I pray for you, church? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you are here this morning. And I thank you, God, that you are holy, 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 O Lord God Almighty. 
You are above all. You are worthy of praise and worship. God, remind our hearts just how holy, set apart, beautiful you are. And God, thank you that you made a way through Jesus that we can be holy. Father, I just pray that we'll celebrate you for that this week, but we'll also step into it this week, that we will practically begin to live out or continue living out the holiness that you have called us into. We thank you that it's all because of you, it's all through you, and it's all about you. In your name we pray. And everybody said...